Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry? I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. This is the Abby Normal Podcast, here to tell you that you're weird and that's normal. Welcome to the fourth installment of our story about when. When we left off, the Women's Empowerment Network was making big, passionate plays and working hard to produce development opportunities. That was out of me and Brenda and Linda capturing them. (laughs) I just try to bring to the table like what I grew up with and what helped raise confidence. They were coming together, supporting each other and gaining confidence with each win. I just, for the first time, felt like in this corporate environment that there was a collaboration and that women were looking out for each other and standing up and grabbing ourselves by the bootstraps, but pulling everybody else up with us. The development piece of the puzzle was solidly in place, but to accelerate change, they had to actively push for culture change because this kind of thing was still happening. You're like in my personal space, dude. Like get out of my personal space, you know, don't touch my earring. And that's just mind blowing to me that that happens, you know. <laughs> um, you know, men will just talk right over you and you're just like, uh, hello, I'm talking, I'm speaking. <laughs> and so bring up your point again, right? And be like, oh, I don't know if you just heard me, but this is what I said. This story is about the work of the culture committee, which now feels like a prophecy. Hundreds of thousands of women have dropped out of the workforce this year due to COVID-19 and the burden of caregiving that falls disproportionately on their shoulders. As practically everything this year, the issue of women being forced from the workforce due to childcare responsibilities is not a new one. Back in 2018, when I joined the WIN Culture Committee, this was top of mind. Women were struggling to balance immense workloads while maintaining some kind of satisfying home life. Here's Jamie's situation when she got involved with WEN. So Donnie contacted me about WEN. I'm like, why am I not involved? I mean, before, I think previously, it had been just a bandwidth problem of like having a baby and already feeling like such a terrible worker at work because your heart's just not there while you're stressed about a small baby and And I think it was just around the time where I finally started to have a little bit of bandwidth, I think, for like my interests and my passions and having kids. I think I had grown up, I mean, I grew up religious and I always thought, I'll just have my babies and stay home and be a stay-at-home mom. And then this is like, you know, when I'm 12, as I got older, I'm like, oh, well, that's not my life. Like, I'm not going to do that. Like, that's not who I am. And I didn't get married until later, you know, for that type of lifestyle. So I had to have a career and, you know, having babies threw me for a huge loop and feeling like I wanted to work, but I also wanted to be available to my children. Like, and so it developed this gigantic just hole or vacuum of like, this is just not right. Like, this is not right for a woman to have a baby to go back so quickly when you're still, whether you're feeding your baby or not, but if you're choosing to feed your baby from your own body, right? Like that becomes really difficult. And 
I'm lucky enough that our work at least made accommodations, um, at least from a company perspective, accommodations for you to like pump at work and have a room to do it. Now, whether that's seen or looked down upon by your supervisors is a whole different um, experience. And whether you're someone who decides to pump once, twice, three times, or, and you're, have slow boobs and they happen to take 30 minutes, right? There's all those different factors. Right. So I think when Donnie and then Rachel talked to me too about the caregiving, I'm like, this has been the only thing I've talked about in the mom's room for the last like five years since I had Fern and then I had Simone and just trying to create some level of balance and flexibility for people who have caregiving capabilities. Here's Rachel's experience. As a person without children, I didn't have to think about that at all in my in my prior kind of professional experience. And all of a sudden, when I became pregnant, it just hit me. Like, I was thinking about all these things and I was having a lot of discussions with my husband. Like, is this impacting you the same way? Are you thinking about how your career is going to change and what you're going to do? And I mean, those are things that are like, even to this day affecting, you know, how I think about my career. And luckily I have like a partner who's, you know, with there and trying to do the work of being like, I need to think about these things as much as you do, but it's all of that classic stuff. Now that we're both working from home, it's like, you know, it's trying to balance who does what and does it just immediately fall, you know, on me to come up with childcare or to push our family to move. I mean, I pushed our family to move here because I didn't know another way, you know? Right. I mean, and he is on board, obviously, but coming up with that conversation and that solution is like, was initiated, you know? If they stay in the workforce, they hit that broken rung that prevents ascension up the corporate ladder. The impact of gender bias on women caregivers is huge. Of course, there are dads who come in at nine because they do daycare drop-off and they take time off to care for a sick kid. But what the data shows is that men are viewed more favorably for doing these things, while women are viewed as less serious about their work or career. Hopefully, the unconscious bias training would be shifting some of these perceptions. But in the meantime, Wen decided to propose structural and policy changes to reduce the negative repercussions women with caregiving responsibilities were facing. There was some flexibility offered by the company, but this was determined solely by your manager. So experiences were all over the board. Here's Jamie. I think this is what is the unfair part is that I had a really negative experience having my first child and having caregiving responsibilities based on the lack of support of my supervisor. And I was even guided to approach the supervisor and ask like, you know, about my performance capabilities. And in that meeting, I think during a very vulnerable time, like having a child is a very vulnerable time being pulled in so many different directions and wanting to perform at a high level at work and, you know, just struggling just emotionally and even hormonally and all of those things. And I was just completely treated in a terrible way. You know, I was told that my happiness was not my boss's job and that like the anxiety that I had going on was not her problem. And, um, I ended up 
quitting. And the only reason that I was able to maintain the relationship was because of the boss, the supervisor above her, who was like, oh, we don't want that to happen. And he did, I had to go contract. So I did go contract for a while. And it was only because of the support of the, the higher level supervisor. And when the full-time position came available and I went back full-time, like I was under this um, supervisor and it was wonderful. It was wonderful. I was 100% supported as a caregiver, as a person, as a parent, as a unique individual that can contribute in a really high level. I'd been in the industry for years, right? I had a ton of knowledge and I wanted to work. I loved working, but I needed some flexibility and it truly came because of my supervisor. I know that he pushed for it and he had my back and he made that experience wonderful. And I think that's actually terrible that it is based solely on a single person. Right. Her experience as a caregiver is like. Why we need written policies in place. Absolutely. Do you remember anything specific he did or said that made you feel that way and set you up for success? Yeah. I mean, he basically gave me some work from home flexibilities that we had discussed and talked about and he pushed for them. Like he pushed because of the talent that I had and because of the unique perspective that like footwear had in the company and that it's difficult to retain footwear people. And it was really just his support to go above written policy or lack of written policy to make my experience manageable for me and still able to contribute in a team in a valuable way. And that made the whole difference. And I remember him, he told somebody else, but I, some, I think that person told me, but he said once he removed me from the original supervisor and moved my level under him, that he he saw all of these like talents and capabilities like come out from me that, you know, they previously hadn't expected because of the work situation that I had been in. I was able to kind of thrive and be happy and contribute in a much better way. And I believe that. I mean, I felt it, mm -hmm. my desire to be at work and to perform and to be part of the team. And it was really based on the support of the one person who was willing to, to fight for things that he felt were reasonable for a caregiver. I love that. It was great. And I wanted that for all people. I thought everyone should have this level as I heard varied stories from all people, right? Like you said, this, these policies need to be in place, not based on, you know, an accommodating manager or a manager that supports you or some manager who's caught up in their own problems of life. From personal experience, Wynn knew that there was more the company could do to support caregivers and make the culture more friendly toward women. We knew there was a better way to work and to live, a way for women to work when, where, and how they were most productive. And we knew that increased flexibility would benefit everyone. But if our proposals were going to be taken seriously, we needed some data to support this theory. Here's Lindsay and Ariel with how we got started. 
I remember that we had a meeting. Good Lord, I don't remember who was actually in the room. I the was. Night. That was like one right, of my yeah. first, my first probably, week. <laughs> yeah. There was probably, yeah. what, like 10 people? I know we started with compiling of any research that we could do online or talk to friends that were at different companies of what other work, like flexible work schedules there were out there. Um, and there was multiple different articles. I know there was, especially with the people that we had actually talked to at the different companies, there was such a range of what people did or didn't have. Here's a sampling. We looked at Gymboree, Clorox, Athleta, Nordstrom, Whole Foods, Free People, Rothy's, REI, Cliff Bar, Patagonia. We compared to, was it Gap or was it Macy's? To where it was, it was a certain word they used where um, wasn't shaming someone. It was not shrugging. It was a certain word. Um, someone kept tabs. Do you know what I'm talking about? The definition, it was like a definition of like someone was keeping tabs on someone like, oh, they left at this time and it was called something. And we thought that was very important because um, they made a rule to where if someone starts keeping tabs on someone, they have to have a very valid proof of the person not working to their fullest. Who has that much time on their hands that they can do that? Like that. I guess it was very common. I want to say it was the gap. Yeah, yeah. I, that totally sounds familiar now that you're bringing it up. It's like sludging or something was the word. Something. I, it was something like that. But yeah, but I do think that in a lot of organizations, people are super hypersensitive about like, what time did you come in? And you took a really long lunch break and you left early and like tracking all of that stuff and then giving people like passive aggressive shit about it. And that's the problem with like not having a clear policy around flexible work is then all this little shit happens. And then favoritism plays into it too. Like some people get away with it and some people don't. term that she's referring to was sludge. It's those passive-aggressive and sometimes aggressive things that happen in an office related to when and where someone is working. For example, my manager gave us some flexibility. If you needed to go to the doctor in the morning, just work from home in the afternoon. You don't need to commute in. But other folks in the office would go to my manager and be like, where is so-and-so? And these things were always said with judgment. And they are not about an individual's performance, but rather the optics of where is this person located. So my manager had to take extra steps. If someone was working from home, they needed to put a little note on their computer saying so-and-so is working from home today. They can be contacted at blah, blah, blah number. That's not a problem. For flexible work arrangements to be successful, there does need to be increased communication so everyone knows what's happening and it's transparent. And it doesn't hinder other people doing their jobs. The problem is the sludge, the gossiping, the complaining, the wondering where someone is, the judgment if they're not in the office, which again has nothing to do with the results that someone is producing. It only has to do with other people's perception of them. The situation that Jamie mentioned about pumping in the mother's room is another example of sludge. Yes, per policy, the company allows mothers to use time to pump. But if you have a manager or a team that sludges, you know that it's actually not acceptable for you to use the time. 
So policy is one thing, and then culture either supports or invalidates the policy. The program that Ariel was referring to is called ROW, Results-Oriented Work Environments. You can Google it. I think really what I would have wanted to change would be work from home flexibility and uh, work sharing, right? So I think having options for just reducing the expectations of your work for several years. I mean, I think it's become really apparent in the pandemic how so much of the caregiving, whether it is an elderly person or a parent or a partner or a child falls upon women still. And that in the workspace though, there's no level of flexibility. You're already coming up from a low position. And so to then be like, oh, well, can I work from home three days a week so I can just nurse my baby or, you know, pick them up at 3 p.m. instead of 6 p.m. at night when they're eight months old um, for these several years. So I think just a level of flexibility when your kids are young. And then, I mean, you know how it is even with older kids. They have a soccer game at four or they're in a play or you don't live by parents or grandparents or sisters who can, you know, pick your kid up, drive them over to their school activity or their after school activity and be available that way. And so I think parents need flexibility. Yeah, I think you're right. We're coming at it from a low power position, right? For most of us, we already feel low power in our organization. And then you feel like you're asking for something special if you need to leave early or come in later or pump your breasts in the middle of the day. Like it's so it feels like you're begging for every little thing you need, which like none of this should be special. (laughs) And I think one of the most frustrating things I experienced was the variance of experience based on who was your supervisor too. I think people suffer greatly if they have somebody who is not flexible or understanding. And then I think people can have an amazing experience depending on who or the perspective of their supervisors. And I remember feeling truly like, well, I'm a shitty parent and I'm a shitty worker because on either end, I'm not being able to perform at the capacity that I think I had expectations for, or that I had previously been able to invest in my career. And it's just a time factor. It's It's not like a capability or a desire factor. It's quite literally just a time factor. In addition to researching what other successful companies were doing, the committee, six of us, conducted a survey on campus. We did the survey, right? There was the big survey that we worked on to kind of get ideas of like what people as caregivers were seeking. Because not everyone wants to job share, not everyone wants to work from home, depending on their home situation. Not everyone's caring for small children, right? Like we talked a lot about people caring for sick spouses or sick elderly parents or family members. Um, And so there's a level of flexibility depending on, you know, what type of care that you are giving. 70% of respondents were caregivers of children, adults, or both in their day-to-day lives. Half reported they didn't have the support needed to balance their responsibilities or handle emergency caregiving situations. That is a lot of stressed out people. 
In addition, these stressors were directly impacting the personal decisions that people were making. 30% of women and 20% of men said they were actually putting off having a family due to this lack of support and fear. So what would make the lives of caregivers easier? Well, the top three responses were one, on-site childcare, two, flexible work location, and three, flexible work schedules. So we focused our efforts there. For numbers two and three, we rewrote the company's flexible work policy and created a guide and training for managers on how to successfully provide equitable work arrangements. The goal was to adjust culture norms to allow everyone to meet their needs at home and at work. So it included tips like, as frequently as possible, have meetings after 9 a.m. and before 5 p.m. Always have an online meeting option, i.e. Zoom. Tough, I know. I remember we compiled all that, and then I know you had worked a lot on the actual, like, wording of this like proposal document to like give to HR and then I just remember yeah being told no sorry or or they were they were rolling out a new policy or something like that and I remember reading it and like nothing so they're taking away flex Friday and they're not give okay okay cool <laughs> so it's gonna to be less versus more flex but we get to leave early on Friday. Back to the number one thing that caregivers requested, support with childcare. Remember, the company was located in the San Francisco Bay Area, where childcare is very expensive. And wait lists are years long. Plus, commute times are long. Here's Jamie and Rachel. In an area like the Bay Area, childcare is extremely difficult. I remember missing the ball with Fern and not being able to get her into the two to three year range childcare options because she'd been previously watched by a, a home um, childcare. And once she was ready for socialization, I was like, oh, I needed to put her on this list when I was pregnant, right? And I think that gets solved by businesses providing their own childcare. And yeah, it adds extra liabilities, but companies have proven if it's valuable to them that it's worth it. And I followed a lot of the research. It actually is kind of like a net zero. Like if you provide it, you don't lose any, you don't lose any money by providing that at a subsidized cost on your campus. I mean, I would imagine employee retention, especially in our market and day and age is a really big deal for companies who value employees. Again, it's like, do they value the capitalism idea, thinking anybody's replaceable, or do they value talent? The thing that we really worked on was childcare options. Thinking that all work should subsidize childcare options or provide on-site childcare options. They have a certain number of employees, this is something that a business should be willing to accommodate so that, you know, moms with new babies will have a place to bring their kids. We had some long-term goals, far out, new campus, different situation. Um, this would be our like pie in the sky, like dream to have on-campus childcare that was built into 
work-life balance. So similar to what Patagonia does, right? They have this amazing day, Cliff does it, um, Cliff Bard, they have these amazing childcare centers and that is a benefit that you have. And there's all of this research around how it helps women stay in their careers longer and men, how it just benefits everybody. It benefits the culture on the campus in terms of work-life balance. Maybe it's so naive, but I mean, that's what I wanted the outcome to be. There's these companies in our immediate area, in the same sphere of work that are doing this, the same industry, they've figured out a way to do it. Why can't we, you know, why can't we figure out a way to do it? Right. So that was what I hoped for and what we did research around. So that was the long-term plan. Mm -hmm. And then we presented a couple of different options, you know, as kind of stepping stones to that. We talked about like subsidizing daycare with like a certain stipend that would be part of a benefit, just like healthcare or anything else. And that that would be like a good intermediate step and that that would be an option for anybody who is a parent. You know, this isn't something that would just be a benefit for women, um, working women this for families for families that like how could it work as part of like an HSA like you know can we be creative around where that money comes from and is that beneficial to the company from a tax perspective you know we were looking into all of those sort of things stipend was the first option giving you a portion every month um, that would help cover your childcare costs then after that we were looking could they partner with an existing organization preschool we researched ones in the immediate area that were close to the campus um, if it's not building a you know child care from the ground up could it be partnering with one and um, having that kind of become the exclusive child care for employees mm-hmm. and then the ultimate step being like that's internal it's part of the organization yeah anyways that those were the three kind of things that we outlined we're all in a different state now than when we did this research. As she mentioned, Rachel is literally in a different state now. So she's had an opportunity to reflect on her office life and what could be better. I will say though too, COVID is interesting because it's like shown me another way, like the whole idea of having childcare as part of your work environment, it cuts out so much, even the drop-off. I mean, even Like, there's so much of your time that is spent commuting. If you work in the office that you have to be there day in, and just cutting out the step of pick up and drop off is huge. And if you can all be going to the same place at the same time, that alone, you know, is such a huge benefit. And there's so many hours in the day. And I know it sounds so stupid. It's like what all women are struggling with. But it's like getting home and getting dinner and getting in bed and doing all this stuff. And I don't even have a school age child. And so at night, it really is just like the big things, but it's hard to do all of that stuff. And if you add like a commute or whatever in there, I mean, COVID is showing me like, I don't ever want to work in an office again because some of those things are simplified, you know? 100%. The like getting ready and looking presentable and um, all of that stuff, packing a lunch. Like I can just cook a lunch in my kitchen and it's like, fine. You know, um, all of those things are just showing me a different way. And I think that like having just, if your life and your work can be more intertwined in any way that that can be simplified, it has a huge impact. If women were at the helm, that would happen. I don't know. I just, I really think it would. 
and again, it makes me mad because it's not a women's issue. No, it's a family family issue it's like men should be advocating for this too like right every man should be advocating for this too but they're not because there's a woman behind them who's doing double the work so that they don't have to think about it yeah. and i'm sick of it i mean i'm sick of it it's frustrating <laughs> Really this is also part of the problem of not having representation at the leadership level. I mean, at one point we looked at leadership when we were assessing like demographics and a 90% of leadership were men. 90% of those men had women that were stay at home wives and mothers. So they mm -hmm. didn't have to be thinking about all this. They had a partner that was taking care of all of this business and they didn't have to worry about it. So of course they're not going to be thinking about, the needs of Rachel for steps down the chain, right? Yeah, and why she can't ever move up. As we've gone through this whole COVID nonsense and people are like, when are we gonna get back to normal, back to normal, back? I'm like, I don't wanna go back to normal. Like that shit was not great. Like I do not have a desire to commute an hour to pretend I don't have a child, to be frantically doing drop off and pick up, like all of those things don't work they don't work for parents they don't work for kids they don't work for families like now that we've had a taste of work-life integration like fully <laughs> mm -hmm. what is going to be our in-between actual solution for these problems yeah. you know well and it's like i don't think it's this necessarily but i think it's like what it should be doing is opening up the doors to have different conversations about like this is full integration so full that like maybe it doesn't work but also if this is full integration full separation or whatever the office represents it also is not working correct yeah. so i just hope that companies are looking at this and learning from it but then i'm also like you know this like weird future utopia altogether where i'm like what if companies didn't have to like rent out huge spaces that cost however much rent is right. every month then why can't they pay their people more right. <laughs> or fairly at least Absolutely. because they no longer have to provide real estate space and they don't have to provide all of those sort of like physical living benefits. And is that better for our planet if people aren't having to like move all the time? And right. Right. it's so nice knowing like when I'm done at five o'clock, like I'm done. I don't have like, yeah, I started a new job. I don't know a single person there. I don't need to go to a happy hour that I don't really actually, I want to go to a happy hour with my friends. Right. Like, I don't want to go to a happy hour with like all, I'm naturally going to like gravitate and like meet the people at an organization that I are important to me. That will happen. Yeah, yeah. So if I can cut out, and that's also the stuff that people don't talk about with parents, it's like parents in some ways immediately get excluded from that sort of stuff because you have to go pick up your kid. Sorry, I can't go to the like 8 p.m. thing in the city, you know, <laughs> right. or because like my daughter goes to bed at seven and one of us has to be home, you know, right, right. Um, and if that's where like things happen, then right. parents get left out, all parents, not just moms, like, parents get left out of that conversation if like, if that's the culture of a place. And I mean, COVID is also kind of showing us like, I don't have all these other work things that I don't actually get paid for but that take up part of my life anymore. Totally. So at five o'clock, like any given week, I don't have other stuff. In some ways, when you take away the office, you take away the office politics. And it has Maybe been not. a bit of an equalizer from the point of view of like, it no longer appears that women 
are carrying the burden of this like parenting thing like I think in the office that's the perception it's like oh Rachel has a little one so she's getting into the office late or leaving early or whatever it is it's yeah, like no now around it dads are on zoom and their kids are running around and you know I've had calls with guys with the baby and the you know the bouncer Her thing baby. on the front yeah. and and so you're actually seeing, oh, hey, hello, men have families, men are distracted by their families too. And so that, mm -hmm. that expectation is equal, not genderized like it was in the yeah. workplace. I think that door has been opened a little bit. That's totally true. Yeah. I mean, my little girl like runs up to my husband all the time in the middle of a Zoom calls and they see exactly. him in a different way, you know? Yeah, exactly. totally. It's true. Yeah. I don't know. It's so interesting to know like where all of this is going to land. I don't know. So yeah, I just, I hope that people can learn from it and that companies can learn from it. I hope so too. I, five years ago, I was working in the city and, you know, had the whole commute. It was like an over an hour commute. And I finally like did the math and I'm like, okay, I'm spending two hours per day. You know, that's like 10 hours per week, blah, blah, blah. 400 hours of commute per year. That's 400 hours away from my five-year-old am I willing to do that? Am I willing to sacrifice that many hours? Yeah. Like, no, I want that yeah. time with my kid, which is why yeah. I ended up at, and again, there's some like privilege, uh, you know, wrapped up in that idea, but I was just like, I'm never doing that again. I don't care what the career opportunity is. It's not worth the sacrifice. And to a certain extent, I don't think that parents should have to sacrifice yeah. their children. <laughs> it, what if the best thing for our world is for everybody to like, be part of community and be able ding, to have ding, people ding. to rely on. Jamie also has some thoughts on why the work of caregiving does not seem to be valued in our culture more broadly. As a parent and as um, like a competent person in, in the workforce, you're kind of contributing at a societal level. And it's fascinating to me that people still don't see contributing as a parent as like something that betters just the world in general and then creates a better society in a holistic way. And so it, it seems really interesting that like from a company perspective that people aren't willing to let people's own parents like participate in raising them, right? That that's not more of a priority for our company culture in the United States. Absolutely. That it's not valued, right? It's not right. valued at all. Yeah. It's totally bizarre. I don't know if it like comes back to the American like individualism idea versus looking at it from a more a community perspective that we a need to procreate <laughs> and then b if you raise up kids right with parents that are present that benefits the whole society right I know but sometimes I think it still comes down to just pure capitalism that this idea that your own effort is like what makes you successful but it's actually not true right and so people are unwilling to make that allowance, like from a capitalist perspective, right? Like a business would see that level of flexibility somehow impacting their bottom line without the proper information showing that actually, no, it does this and this where there's not, they still don't see those other benefits as benefits. And did you see anything come from the work that Wen did? Um, I think in the end, when they were getting ready to move, they were able to get a childcare provider downtown near the new office 
that would hold space, but as like a sort of last resort drop off, not for, oh, well, once you have a baby, you're guaranteed a spot here, but it was more like, okay, this is childcare, we'll accept like, you know, when you get in a pinch or a bind, but it wasn't even subsidized. So that's the only thing I saw that really came out of the actual push for like flexibility, childcare provision, um, caregiving provision. Right. And it's very ironic now that everybody is working from home and it seems to be fine. <laughs> I mean, right. maybe not mentally we're not fine because it's like an imposed work from home, but that people could have provi been providing this flexibility all along and they've shown productivity hasn't gone down. Companies are all functioning. People are still doing their jobs. They're not watching TV and folding their laundry all day. They're getting their work. <laughs> Even just during the chaos where everyone was deciding whether they were going to move or not was when we were pushing that flex work package and asking for it right now because things were so stressful for everyone. And they weren't even willing to do that. It was like the president put out that statement about like, make sure you're taking lunches. Don't book any meetings between 12 and one. And that was like this tiny like crumb that we were given during that time. And it just makes no sense now. Well, and it was a crumb for the people who like had no caregiving responsibilities, right? Like the tiny crumb was meant for like people who had no kids or cats or dogs or grandparents or parents or family or friends. I mean, it was kind of like who, I mean, it's like giving you spa water. I mean, sure. Everybody like cool spa water, but like, the <laughs> input. I mean, it's just like your level of input is that is a, a perk in a company that is a socially conscious and environmentally conscious, like this aligns like with the values that your company purports for sure. But then it's not being um, given in this gigantic portion of people's lives, which is caregiving. We felt really strongly that if you do this, it will greatly help out people and it will push people who maybe were on the fence into an employee retention capability. But nothing. I mean, I really think they really provided nothing. I had a lovely experience there at the end after I was removed from my first boss and I ha had a lot of support and I was in a really great situation and I loved my team and my department. But from a top down perspective of the company overall, it was apparent that those goals were not important to them. And I think it's a huge miss, like you said, like from a company that purports and holds itself to such a high level of value in many, many areas, the caregiving is sorely lacking at their company. And Empathy. I stand by that. <laughs> <laughs> So as we leave this chapter of our story, the flexible work policy and the guides that when designed were making their way up the chain to decision makers. Through the ERG executive sponsors, to the new head of regional HR, to the corporate HR team, and then back down again to regional HR. Next week, you'll get a glimpse into the final meeting during which this proposal was shared and the moment that sealed my fate.
But as alluded to, the ultimate outcome of the flex work proposal made 19 months ago was a no. This was, of course, a fateful decision since COVID hit and the whole company had to work from home. They were forced to adopt most of Wen's recommendations, inadvertently. Lindsay ended up relocating with them, and the company so thoughtfully decided to ask employees what they thought about flexible work arrangements. She was not having it. I mean, Abby, I keep going back to when we were trying to get this flexible work schedule. Do you remember all that stuff? And they were like, no, no, we're doing it. And then all this shit happened. Had they had that stuff in place ahead of time, it wouldn't have been this like mad scramble to like figure out how they're going to do all this stuff. So I'm hoping that it, it has like taught them that it's not super important for everyone. If it doesn't work for, you know, I hear a lot of designers, they love working from home because they are not saddled with everyone coming by the desk and like meetings and like all this stuff. Great. If that works for them, but somebody like me, who I thrive in the office environment, I have the opportunity. I can go in. Totally. I agree. And that's the point is that everybody has their own work style and like what works for them and just all the, like the stuff that you need to take care of at home, your dog, your partner, like whatever it is, it just giving people options makes such a big difference. Totally. So Abby, I actually brought that up specifically based on all of this that we had done previously. So they had these like little focus groups on like the future of the workplace. They kind of wanted to check in on people's mental status and like see how people were liking it. What is the pain points of working from home? What all that stuff. And they brought up this whole like flexible work policy. And, and I kind of, I raised my hand. I go, I will just let you know that I tried to work on this when we were in I go, if, if this is something that we are going to put into actual like practice, you need a couple things. I go, it needs to be a written policy because if we're telling people that it is their right to have a flex schedule or whatever, I go, it needs to be written down and people need to follow it Two, I also think that there's training that managers need to do because too often managers, because you have that line in there that says at your manager's discretion or something like that. If we're telling people that this is a benefit of working here that they can take advantage of, then you need training on managers, not only to have that conversation, but how to deal with your employee that's remote or something like that. I go, because it's not gonna work otherwise. She goes, oh, that's a good point. I'm like, you guys didn't think about this. Like, I, I don't, I don't understand. It's so infuriating. It is so infuriating. And I'm like, so proud that your voice was in the room to say that. <laughs> like we I tried when the work. <laughs> we already told you. You did I know. it. <laughs> I try. Yeah. Crazy. It's kind of funny. Like that whole thing around, like, how will we know that people are productive and doing their jobs, which is kind of like the, always the question that leaders go to about this. And now it's like, we all had this big reveal that everyone will keep working and companies will still be profitable and everyone will be working from home, you know, like, and it just totally invalidated that question. Rethinking the future of work more broadly is going to require creativity, policy changes, and potentially big structural changes. 
For example, lots of Americans would prefer more flexible employment relationships and less than full-time work options. But our current healthcare insurance system prevents the feasibility of these solutions. So we focus our energies where we can. In this case, our change makers were pushing for greater flexibility and childcare support for employees. One thing made clear is that everyone has different needs and circumstances, which require an individualized approach to support them. Knowing that these benefits will increase retention and lead to more women in leadership roles over the long term. Next episode, Wen asks whether or not women are getting equal pay for equal work. I know I had to take one or two phone calls from corporate asking a lot of questions why, you know, what is the point of this? And we don't want this causing commotion and we are not at liberty to discuss yeah, any of this information on pay equity. Mm-hmm.